Welcome to the Astrology of Terrible Things podcast with me, Carly Heath. Jesse Devine, our co-host, is out sick this week because her ascendant ruler entered her eighth house. So we have a guest co-host today, astrologer and tarot reader Tigris Blue. Welcome, Tigris. Hello, hello. So honored to be here. Very excited. (laughs) And we were just joking beforehand that this is going to be a little bit of mercury poisoning because (laughs) you have mercury in Gemini and I have mercury in Virgo. So beware, there are going to be some, a lot of talking. I'm going to try my best to hold back, but (laughs) that is the nature of the mercurial people's. Well, we've discovered in this podcast that I can go on tangents and digressions into major details that aren't necessarily necessary for the plot, but it's entertaining to Mm. some. So I might keep on going with that. But you have Mercury in your sixth house, don't you? Which is the house of bad fortune. So you, (laughs) you are especially skilled to talk about unfortunate events happening in people's lives. Yeah, even though sometimes it feels like, oh, God, should I? It comes out awkwardly sometimes, but like I have a natural like okayness, I guess, with it. (laughs) A natural okayness to talk about terrible things. And an interesting synchronicity when I reached out to you when Jesse was sick and I was like, I need a co-host for this week. Um, You said I had just been watching a YouTube video on the most horrific events in history. What was that about? Oh my gosh, it was so random. The other night, because of the eclipse, I have not been able to sleep. My energy has been just all over the place insane. But, oh gosh, I can't remember the exact name of the video, but it was just a list of historical events, like pandemics, like the worst day in history. Um, I'm sure you could type that into YouTube and it would come up. (laughs) Oh, uh, and what draws you to horrible things? What fascinates you by it? I think it's because it's it, it's definitely a peek into the psyche of the human and what we're capable of. Like, of course, we're capable of like these beautiful things, right? That's the opposite side of that. And so like what makes us so potentially horrible and how can we prevent that, of course? <laughs> in, in Scorpio season right now, we have so much in the ether of horribleness happening right yes. now. We have like actual genocide happening right now, which is yes. like the epitome awful. of terrible. Yes. Yeah. It's pr- pretty much as awful as you can be. And just for me, Scorpio season, I've noticed people being extremely aggressive. Mm, have you that noticed Mars energy, that Pluto Mars energy? Yes. I, I've noticed the both sides of that coin, because when you come out of Libra season, you're coming out of literally the balance of from like the fruits and the sunshine and the happiness into then tipping into Scorpio season, the darkness and depths and the underworld. Um, so I have noticed like that switching over. So I do want to say that there's still good in the world, but Scorpio season is a time of transformation. It's a time of transmutation. And so a lot of our demons are coming out. A lot of our inner or our personal horrors are coming to light a little bit more. And it's up to us and wherever we are in our journey to deal with those. But yeah, don't be surprised if you are encountering like some more heated energy from people or even yourself. And Scorpio is your 11th house and it's making a sextile 
whole sign sextile to your ascendant and a trine to your sun. So how do you personally find interactions with Scorpios for you? <laughs> I love them. <laughs> My co-host Jesse also loves Scorpios and is married yes. to Scorpio. I find them so, so, so like passionate, intense, all of the the usual descriptors of a Scorpio. And I love it. I love how intelligent they are. I love that they're not afraid to go there. I love, I love Aries too. Cause I, I find that they're similar. Once again, they're both ruled by Mars. If you're looking into traditional astrology, um, but there's just something about scorpionic energy. That's just so like it lures you in versus like the brash Aries that like goes after you. It's like, no, you come to me and I love it. I love it. Yeah. Scorpio is like sniper energy. It's like yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> um, conserve my energy and plot my attack um, <laughs> and not necessarily even wait for the attack. I'm going to wait until you come into my line of sight. And then boom, you've been had. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so as a uh, as Scorpio rules your 11th house, and that means Mars is transiting your 11th house, have you noticed aggression amongst your groups of friends? I feel like it's subtle. It, it's like underneath the surface when it comes through, like we were just saying, like how it kind of lures you out. Um, I, aggression, I do feel like is strong, but I do notice a more assertive energy amongst my friends lately that the energy to project themselves more to be more seen or to be more mm -hmm. known, um, more settled in themselves or their authenticity. I have been noticing that, which I think is a good thing. I think it's a good thing overall. And you talked about your eclipse, uh, affecting you a lot and that's in your 10th, fourth house access. So mm -hmm. that's like your public, how, how the public sees you, uh, versus like your hidden self, your past. And it also deals with, you know, 10th house is mother, fourth house is father. Um, so what eclipse themes have been coming up for you? Definitely family. Family has been dealt with, <laughs> um, in, in good ways. Uh, and then some not so good ways definitely have had to, uh, deal with some personal things with a family member that weren't great, but mm -hmm. were ultimately uh, for the best. And then um, with my public image, like booming things happening there, you know, That's even if it's small, you know, it's just, it's, it's all coming together in my career and public life in a way that has been a dream for me, but also intimidating at the same time, because it felt like it all came crashing down oh, at wow. once. Yeah, like onto my head. Yeah, in a, in a good way. And I, I noticed I use really dramatic words too that don't sound great. Like going back to the, my Mercury in the sixth house, like it it doesn't sound great the words that I use to describe things happening to me or happening to other people sometimes. But I actually mean them in a positive way. Like when I say someone's chaotic, I'm like, that's just your energy. That's just how it is. It's great. But they're like, don't call me chaotic. That hurts my feelings. Oh my God, I don't want to be chaotic. <laughs> you know, there's, uh, has that, uh, has that pushback from the words that you use been more amongst the older generation responding that way to your words or the younger generation or like people, you know, around our age and, you know, yeah. uh, just everyone, oh. it, everyone, uh, I've had people around my age be like, what are you talking about? Or, oh, like, wow. and then older people too, that are like, girl, what are you talking about? <laughs> 
I well, I've been noticing the Pluto in Leo and Pluto in Virgo generations, uh, which are like, you know, the boomers and the older Gen Xs are very anti talking about negative things. Because the Pluto in Leo is like, I care about appearances and appearing like everything is okay. Mm -hmm. And so when you bring up negative things, it's like, oh, why do you have to talk about negative, negative things? Yeah. My grandmother was definitely, she was also a Libra. So very like, everything is good. Everything is fine. Everything is great. Uh, I do say, I, I guess I will say that people closer to my generation are a little more open-minded. Like when I am explaining it, I'm like, oh no, no, no. It's just whatever. Then they're like, oh, okay. Like that makes sense. But initially I think it catches people off guard. Some of the language that I use. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're a Pluto in Scorpio gender. And I know, you know, Pluto in Libra, Pluto in Scorpio, Pluto in Sagittarius. This is the Pluto that is uh, in the signs that are associated with the decay, the fall, the the autumn season, the season where the leaves are falling off the trees, mm-hmm. where everything is getting colder, where death. the feeling of death is all around. Yeah. And so we, we, people who have these Plutos in these autumn signs are like, let's talk about the darkness and mm-hmm. embrace it. Whereas the Pluto in Virgo and Pluto in Leo people are from the summertime. And they're yes. like, wait a minute, we don't want to acknowledge that summer is about to end. Yeah, I need my <laughs> sunshine and my rainbows every day, all day. And that's just not reality, right? Like, I love talking about dichotomy and how, you know, it all makes it up to be a whole. So when you do have these really good, beautiful things, you have to accept those shadowy aspects. I love talking about the shadow as well. I love reveling and rolling around in my shadow or shadow dancing even to like get more acquainted with that part of ourselves because you can't just ignore it. Yeah. What would you say to someone who's like, it's, you can't have a podcast that's all about bad stuff that's putting more bad energy into the world? I would say that it, it, once again, it's ignoring a a natural facet of life. There are going to be things that are not great that occur, that happen. And the more that you just not desensitize yourself to it, because these are still bad things. These are still bad people. Um, You want to do something about those things. But I think it's, just as detrimental to just be in the light all the time and Mm -hmm. just not realistic. Toxic positivity is definitely a thing. And acknowledging when I think when you make friends with the darkness a little bit, yes, uh, you (laughs) that sounded a little too enthusiastic. (laughs) I know I love it. Darkness. (laughs) But make friends with the darkness. Um you understand that it's part of material reality that you we cannot escape. You might be living your best life. You might be um booked and busy, but you need to be aware that that time where you're at the peak and highlight of your career and everything is good and everyone loves you is gonna come to an end. Yes. I've seen that happen with so many people. (laughs) It makes you appreciate those times when it is good, when it is light and fluffy. It it makes the gratitude even stronger and the appreciation even stronger for those moments. I love, I love saying being friends with your, with your shadow self instead of like getting rid of it. Like, 
or even just recognizing it, but then like shunning it away. I'm like, be friends with it because it's a part of you. You, you. you cannot separate yourself from the shadow. Definitely. And the shadow shows up in a lot of really interesting ways in your life. And whenever you can acknowledge it, it's powerful because the more you know about yourself, the more uh, you know about why you're attracted to certain things, mm -hmm. uh, the more things won't take you by surprise. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. You can accept those things a lot easier. Um, those, those terrible moments a lot easier when you just are like, okay, this is life. <laughs> okay. I'm excited. I, I had you do what Jesse started doing a few weeks ago on the podcast, which is yes. share a chart with me that has had, it's of a terrible event mm -hmm. that has, the dates and locations erased mm -hmm. and uh, you have sent me a Libra rising chart. How interesting because I'm a Libra <laughs> rising. And uh, so it's across the Libra and Aries axis, which is something that we have been talking about on the show for a few weeks now, which is the Libra Aries axis, because we're having, uh, we're having our eclipses across the Libra Aries axis. So I feel like mm -hmm. we're, everyone is thinking about that a whole lot, that axis mm -hmm. point a lot, a whole lot. And then me and uh, Jesse are uh, exact opposites on the Libra Aries axis. Uh, so we've been talking about that a lot. And you have chosen a zero degree, uh, a chart with zero, <laughs> with Venus at zero degrees Aries, which yes. zero degrees um, Aries point is something that we have been talking about on the podcast a lot because that's it's a kicker, right? It's a kicker. Jesse's is zero degrees. Yeah. Jesse's is the zero degrees Aries. Okay. So this is a night chart. So that means, uh, Venus is going to be the most positive thing in this chart. Uh, but she is in a Mars rules ruled sign, mm -hmm. which is where she's in detriment. She doesn't really do well in Aries. Um, you know, that's Marilyn Monroe's Venus placement. Oh, how deadly. Yeah. So she's very, you know, fierce, very like make Venus herself. But she was also, mm -hmm. many people don't know this. She was also very messy. It wasn't just her Gemini son. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, she would eat crackers in bed and fall asleep with food, you know, under her sheets and stuff. And of course that was possibly a rumor, uh, spread by exes who are bitter and mm -hmm. but but there were rumors that she was messy um okay so that, so we've got the venus in the descendant so that's the most the dealing with other people is the best part of this chart and the worst part of this chart is the mars in the sixth no no sorry saturn in the sixth house because this is a night chart saturn is going to be the worst um and which deals with misfortune um a a misfortune in Pisces. So I'm, I'm feeling like, does this have to do with water? Um, I'm don't answer that yet. I'm going to, mm -hmm. I'm going to work through it. I'm going to think through it and figure mm -hmm. it out. <laughs> um, so a misfortune, usually Saturn and Pisces often has to do with drowning or potentially drowning, but because the Venus is in the the part of the chart that deals with another person. I wonder if there was a rescue um, that happened uh, at the last minute and it didn't turn out as bad. Um, I'm noticing the midheaven is in cancer with it, which is another water. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, 
thing. Water and energy is is heavy Jupiter. in this for sure. Yeah, there's uh, you know, there's kind of a trine happening with a grand trine happening with the midheaven, the Jupiter and the um and the the Pisces planets. So it's almost like this didn't turn out as bad as it could have been because mm-hmm. of those trines. Um, and we've got, uh, we do have the Neptune on the fourth house. So I'm going to say that this is definitely something to do with water. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cause there's just so, there's just so you can't avoid it. There's so much water. There's also in a, in a, in a strange way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's also Pluto on the, is that the North node or the South node? It looks like it's the North node. Okay, North Pluto on the North Node mm-hmm. in the second house, which deals with money, power. I also think of like agri- agriculture as well, or farming. I was gonna say house. animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it, so animals, water, potential drowning, and then when we think about Rahu or the North Node as well. Um, that's like your, that's kind of looking into your potential path, right? Like your, like where you have the potential to go in this lifetime. I almost want to say fish to, just because it's Pisces, but maybe not, but, but there, there's a water animals. This one, this one's tricky. This one's a weird one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay. Water animals, um, the moon. I was is- like, check out the moon. The moon is applying to a square with the benefic Jupiter. So that means that also whenever you're, you have your moon, the moon in an incident applying to a benefic, even if it's a square aspect, squares are the nature of Mars. Mm-hmm. So a square tends to be a difficult aspect, but when you're a moon applying to a benefic, it usually in, in any aspect, it usually means that there's something that's going to happen that's not as bad as it could have been anything Um, jupiter is involved in it's just like a little dash of hope a little little dash dash of of hope that said the jupiter is retrograde and in a Mm -hmm. mars ruled sign being ruled by the sixth house Mm -hmm. so that uh hero who's saving the day isn't as good as they could have been Mm -hmm. um the law is not fully on the mm-hmm. side of what needs to happen. So I'm going to say, did this, was this a woman who had some sort of dealing with either an animal, a coworker, or someone who worked for them? There was water involved in a misfortunate thing. And then it, but it turned out to be not as bad as it could have been. Is that, is that kind of like, a correct direction I'm going like with. hits yes hit bits and pieces definitely involving water it's this is a, a group phenomenon that oh. happens so we're looking at hundreds so, of people so let's look at that moon then so because the no no sorry let's look at the sun because mm-hmm. the sun is the ruler of the 11th house which is groups of people mm-hmm. and the sun is being provided for by Jupiter which is many a lot Okay. okay. What's what ended up happening? <laughs> Tell the so, story. So this is the 1994 UFO sightings in Michigan over Grand Rapids, like in that area. So oh, water wow. have like 300 people 
over. I know. I love that story. That's one of my yeah. favorite stories. Tell us and the it, whole story. Yeah. It's an interesting phenomenon, right? Because of, of course, like there's always been like speculation around alien sightings. And this is one of those unexplained events that how could you, how can you not at this point believe I- wasn't there a child that got abducted or the child, they didn't know where the child was. And then the child showed up somewhere later. Uh, I would have to look into that, but okay, like, I'm going to have to I, look I, in and yeah, that, because that, that would be very spot on. If that, that is true for what you said, um, because we do have like some fifth house ha- things happening here with the moon in the fifth house and the mercury in the fifth house and Aquarius. And so anytime I do see Aquarius stereotypical or not, there's something odd happening. There's something unorthodox happening and something with tech. Aquarius also deals with the out exterior outside the boundaries. Yes, so, yes. Um, so exiles and actually in the event, I'm going to tell you about um, Aquarius figures quite a bit as well. Yeah. Um, but it's the outsiders, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think actually in that 11th degree, it's specifically everything and more like it is an event that occurred that opened people's eyes up to things beyond our world, things beyond um, what we know. And happening in uh, the sun in Pisces too also is like otherworldly. And there's a bit of a darkness there. People were scared. People were terrified and also fascinated by what was going on with these orbs of like yellows and greens and blues in the sky. And people saw them for several like, at least a couple hours, I think that this was visible. Um, I think it happened around like 9 p.m. to about like 10, 11 p.m. So like just a fascinating phenomenon, um, low deaths that I know of. So I was like, is this gruesome enough? Is this going to be? It's different. Um, And I'm just noticing the Neptune right on the on on the descendant uh mm-hmm. right on the line of the descendant home mm-hmm. um the boundaries of home being erased yeah and then the moon in aquarius and mercury in aquarius mm-hmm. that communication with those on the outside of the the realm between the material world and the realm the realm that we don't see yeah i also want to say that zero degrees in venus Another thing that you've just never uh-huh. seen before. The zero degree Aries yeah. is such a powerful point. Yes. Um, yes. And I've just noticed be- so many people who have zero degrees Aries can see the realm beyond. Um, yes. You know, like I said in the other podcast, Harry Houdini, Nostradamus, mm-hmm. um, the, that's the beginning point. That's the beginning point. Shooting through the canals, like coming for you. It's, it's the threshold between the imaginary realm and the material realm. Yeah. Uh, have you ever had an alien encounter? I've had a lot of different encounters, as you, as you know, like via how we met through, yeah. through the New Blood Universe crew. Um, so I've had a lot of encounters that like I would maybe just easily chalk up to some sort of um, ghost phenomenon, uh, something that is still like human, maybe. Um, but being a part of that crew has also opened my eyes like, okay, well, maybe there is like something otherworldly happening here. There's maybe something alien that I've been encountering as well. Um, it, it, there's a lot out there, folks. <laughs> what's, what's been your favorite paranormal encounter of your life? <laughs> 
probably in one of my old apartments. I was just hanging out with a friend. We were doing our usual thing, grooving in the living room, nothing. I think this may have even occurred during the day, which also just like blows, like not blows nice. my mind, but makes it even more, you know, interesting where I had my back turned towards my kitchen. It was like a little galley kitchen, like a hallway basically. And my friend was facing the kitchen and we were dancing, listening to some music, having a good time. And she texts me later on in the day and she's like, Hey, I didn't want to, I didn't want to freak you out. I didn't want to say anything, which is funny because it's me, but <laughs> she's like, um, I saw the upper half of a woman just float by while you were dancing. And I love I just, it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, and I knew exactly who it was. I mean, I didn't know, but there was a presence in that apartment since day one, we called her Elaine, which was actually my friend's middle name. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah. So I'm glad that she actually got to see her. We said goodbye to her when I left that apartment. We said goodbye to her and the light flickered. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, so much. Yeah. Shout out Elaine. (laughs) I had um, a roommate uh, that actually passed away in my old apartment. Uh, She had been suffering from cancer for a long time and she ended up passing away and that I had actually moved uh, from the apartment right before she passed away. And I went back a few years later to visit with the people who lived in the apartment now and they had never known her. They had never known me. Um, I was just actually there to pick up a cat and I asked them, Hey, have you guys noticed any paranormal things in your apartment? And they're like, yes, actually. And I said in the far back bedroom and they're like, yes. And I was like, my roommate passed away there. Oh my God. And so that's what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> what did they say? How did they feel? Um, they were very shocked. And I think they were at a little bit too shocked to yeah. verbalize at that moment. So, and I was in a hurry. And so I just left them with some information. For the probably cat. extremely Bye. upsetting. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> And in typical mercurial fashion, here you go. <laughs> yeah, here's the information you did not ask for. And now I'm going to leave. Bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Have fun. Have fun with your ghost friend. Leave, leave out treats Gosh. for her. That, it's just that confirmation of like, because they're probably sitting there the whole time, like we're insane. We're crazy. This isn't, that's nothing going on there. And then just to have that confirmation of no, oh no, you, you saw what you saw just is, I'm sure was definitely surprising. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love alien stories. It makes me so happy. (laughs) Um, And I loved, I'm just, I love seeing that zero degrees Aries show up. Me too. I saw it. And so I like much. freaked out. I love any like critical degrees. So like 29 degrees, I get really excited about as well. And it's just such a like potent energy when you see those numbers. And, oh- I'll continue uh, talking about what I talked about in the other uh, podcast episode a few podcasts ago, where I was, uh, Jesse and I were revealing we're equinox babies, we're both zero degrees uh, folks. And I noticed that whenever I, whenever there's an equinox, I encounter people from the Southern hemisphere and also just big changes happen in my life. And I was telling the story about meeting Doppel Carly, who is, who was 
at the same event that I was in, I came across her video. She was standing right next to me. Her name was Carly. We're both uh, in the same fandom. She, we were both at the same event. We're both actively involved in this activist thing that we are, we are both doing. Yeah. Uh, I met her and I've been hanging out with her a lot more lately. She confirmed she is from the Southern Hemisphere. She's from Chile. Uh, she, uh, I looked up her chart. We don't have her exact birth time because yes. uh, she had to escape uh, Chile during the coup and lost all the birth records and stuff. But her nodes are at zero degrees, Capricorn and uh, Cancer. Oh, that's so zero, hard. Zero degrees of cardinal signs. Yes. So, you know, I'm zero degrees Libra, Aries, zero degrees Cancer and Capricorn are exactly square to my degrees. Okay. Uh, so Carly is also queer like I am, also vegetarian and also has an orange cat. Oh my God. Do you all look like physically similar in any way? Um, dark hair. Uh, not, I don't know. Not, not really. I don't know if we really, we don't really look alike. She's short. Okay. Um, but also interestingly on the, on the day that I had first reached out to her, it also happened to be the day of the equinox. And I had, wow been um the first time what I had been surrounded by a bunch of Australians and then also I encountered a famous person that same day from Chile and I then on the day where I met Doppel Carly in person for yeah. the first time I also met that same randomly famous person from Chile on the same day I did not. My mouth is open. Sorry, people can't see me just like uh -huh. agape right now. <laughs> so it was really interesting. Every time I encounter Carly from Chile, I encounter this other famous, this not that she's famous, but I encounter this famous first person from Chile. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the parallels, the synchronicities are really interesting. I don't so interesting. I did not do the astrology of that other than the equinox was the first mm -hmm. time I reached out to her. Um, mm -hmm. But it's interesting. Uh, yeah. the, the, and you're still alive after meeting your doppelganger. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, which actually brings up uh, the thing I'm going to talk about, uh, the astrology of the terrible thing I'm going to talk about. Mine, I made uh, difficult choices for myself in that, like I decided to choose something extremely complicated. That's multiple charts <laughs> that takes place over a long period of time. But the signature in this chart, in this thing that happened really over the course of a year is uh, Saturn, a Saturn Neptune conjunction. So as someone, let's talk about those two planets as some, as someone, you who has mm -hmm. a Saturn ascendant and oh Neptune in a Saturn world sign. Yes. Um, first, what keywords come into your head when you uh, think of Saturn? Difficult. <laughs> time, uh, the Lord of time. time. Um, I, I also think of father. Um, I love to make the comparison of Jupiter being like fun dad and then Saturn being like hardcore father. He is here to teach you lessons. Very karmic. Yes. Uh, and then what keywords come to your mind when you're saying, when you think of Neptune? 
Uh, I think of stardust and fantasy of things that are kind of blown out. Um, it's a higher octave of Venus. So it's like, it's alien like <laughs> it's, it's kind of crazy, but also like mesmerizing. What can be the negative things associated with Neptune? Um, uh, delusion, confusion, um, sinking so deeply into something like being obsessed with things also comes to mind with Neptune. <laughs> so if we were to have a, an event where Saturn, a Saturn Neptune conjunction plays a huge role in this event, what sort of keywords might describe that event? Oh my God. Um, in the grand scheme of things, I think it's meant to open people's eyes up to something that um, has not been seen before, maybe widely misunderstood, but also attractive maybe to people or something that does attract people. Um, but it once you get close, it makes you, it, you end up learning like a huge, huge lesson that you're meant to learn <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> uh, okay, there's, there's also a signature in this chart that is a uh, sun Pluto conjunction. Oh gosh. Another, another intense, once again, intense combination. What keywords come up with when you think of Pluto? Okay. Underworld for sure. Definitely the depths of, of the darkness, <laughs> like even deeper than darkness. There's, there's Pluto and cold. <laughs> Cold. Uncleaning. Cold also is associated with Saturn too, right? Yes. Yes. The further, the further you get away. Yeah. 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 All those planets. And, oh, and what's associated with the sun? Oh, abundance, happiness, bright. I love when I wrote, cause I'm a night chart. I'm like, oh, the sun, uh, <laughs> but abundance, happiness. Um, I also associate it with like freedom, um, authenticity, the self as well. Um, <laughs> so when you combine that with Pluto, wow, you're getting a powerful figure perhaps that um, while they have great power, may not do the best things with it, or they are only out to gain things for their own ego. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the final clue. Uh, Mercury retrograde plays a role in this as well. Oh my goodness. You're just whammy after whammy. I think most people probably know what goes with Mercury retrograde. I mean, it's honestly just a little blip to me. It's just annoying, if anything. Um, it's it's meant to reassess. It's meant to rethink. Is it a good um, idea to start something when Mercury is retrograde? Not, a, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. So beginning beginning anything during that time, just don't even, don't even think about it. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you about the Donner Party today. Oh my God. <laughs> do you, how much do you know about the story of the Donner party? I, I feel like I've heard this before, but like, I, please tell me, tell me everything in associating with, cause I've never thought of it in this context and just having that. Oh the, my gosh. The, the big thing to know is this is going to be an unpopular opinion because we get fed a lot of pro-colonial propaganda in school in the United States. And so many people, when they first hear me say this, are going to be like, you can't say that. But 
the people involved in the Donner Party were not good people. Yeah. Let's just let's just get out there. People think, oh no, but they were families just looking for a better life. These people, in order to get a wagon train and go all the way across the country, you have to be extremely wealthy to get all those oxen together, to get the hired hands together. These were rich people who already had money and were wanting to get more money mm-hmm. by going to Sutter's Fort, which was, I'm, I'm summarizing so much. The, the Donner Party is going from Springfield, Illinois, uh, where, and here's a little Saturn-Neptune thing that it kind of start off the trip. There was a lot of disease in the in the east and in the midwest and illinois uh what were they dealing with cholera they were dealing with a lot so neptune is often associated with disease saturn is associated with disease so they were also kind of escaping the disease there and going trying to go to a land where there was no disease but but let's face it the big thing is these were rich people who wanted to get more rich by getting so-called free land Mm -hmm. uh, which was already belonged to people already. And this guy, um, Sutter, who had Sutter's Fort, and this is just something that you, that people who don't live in the United States need to know, is that there's all these towns around the United States that are called something, something fort. And the reason why is because these towns were set up in order to vanquish Native Americans and the indigenous populations. And because Americans are kind of okay with that, we just keep the name fort for a lot of towns. And if we were to maybe look at ourselves a little bit more and question ourselves, we would be like, maybe we should stop. We should change the name of these towns that are named after these established. Maybe honor the people that were hurt. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Just a start, just a thought. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't name, we shouldn't keep cities being named after institutions that were established to kill people. um, Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so the, yeah, the guy Sutter who was established this fort basically established this like mini empire north of Sacramento, where he essentially enslaved a lot of indigenous people, forced them to uh, convert to Catholicism, and took their names from them and renamed them with Catholic names. And he he would. For these settlers who are coming from across the the country, he would, hey, uh, give them some Native Americans. Like, here, have these. And so when things got really bad with the Donner Party and they were starving, they got trapped in the the, uh, mountains and they were starving, the the Native Americans who had been given to them were like, oh, shit, they're going to kill us and eat us. we better escape these white people. And they did. And they, they ran off, but they turned out to be right because yes, the white people did kill them. Um, and so all that, you, anyone who's listening, who's like, oh, but I thought the Donner party, they were victims. These are not good people. That's, so we need to start from a situation that's there. It's, and I do another feel Christopher Columbus. Yeah. I, and I need to, people will be like, but there's so many children that died. And I'm like, that's also why these are not good people because they subjected their children to this absolutely horrible experience because they simply wanted to make more money. If they really cared about their children, they would, you know, stay where they are, 
<laughs> you know, not go 2000 miles across the the continent with no doctors, no nothing, right. and put themselves right. at risk. Because even before they got to Truckee, even before they got to California and they got trapped in the mountains and starved to death, they, uh, a lot of people died along the journey because mm -hmm. 2000 miles takes a lot of time. So um, back to the beginning. So this is essentially the overview of the Donner Party is they traveled a long ways. They got trapped in the mountains in California by the snow. The reason they got trapped is because this dude called Hastings came along midway through and was like, hey, you guys take the shortcut. Now, Hastings had never taken the shortcut before. Uh, he was just a fan of the, sh the idea of the shortcut. Mm. And so Don mm, Neptune. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Donner uh, was, was like, hey, let's take the shortcut. And everyone else who was in the party was like, you know what? Maybe let's not take the shortcut. Let's this. It's been a, this route here has been established. Let's stay on stay on the route. But the Donner party, uh, which included the Reed party, Reed was also the guy named Reed. What was his name? George James. Something I have it in my notes here. He was not a good guy either. He actually had major road rage along the two thousand mile journey and killed a man. And oh my God! Luckily, the 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 people were like you know, F you read, yeah. uh, we're going to send you out into the wilderness. You can't be part friends to with the wolves anymore. you go. And so he's like, Hey, I'll, I'll check up with you. But he actually ended up kind of surviving um, because he killed someone um, and got kicked out of the, the wagon train. So oh that is a whole thing. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Let's no, but it's just so much. Yeah. So <laughs> much death, which like Saturn, I think too, sometimes rules death. Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. The, the main story is, oh, I got a lot of this from uh, a journalist named Carly Stevens, Carly, yeah. Carly, uh, who wrote an article called Endless Winter for KQED. And I also uh, got kind of the overview from um, the My Favorite Murder podcast on, mm. on our part. <laughs> and Historians have described this episode as one of the most fascinating tragedies in California history and the entire record of the American westward migration. In 1846, the California to which the Donner Party was journeying wasn't actually part of the United States. It was still Mexican territory called Alta California, and it wouldn't officially be part of the US for another four years. California was home to 300,000 indigenous people. And this is the era of manifest destiny. President James Polk had propagated the idea that it is our divine right to build a country coast to coast after the Louisiana purchase. Well, the divine rights of white people. Let's yeah, yeah. What's going on here. Power, power, power. Yep. The fact that this land was home to indigenous people wasn't something that uh, the people like the Donner Party really seemed to care about. They uh, they were escaping cholera and malaria in the Midwest. And again, because they were rich, they were able to hire tons of people to help with their westward migration. And um, they were headed to this fort, Sutter's Fort, which was started by a Swiss colonizer named John Sutter. And uh, this is a miniature empire. And it it a miniature empire for white people, and it would kind of evoked everything that 
these Midwestern settler colonialists wanted, which was the California sun. So there you have that. that. Mm -hmm. The (laughs) land of abundance and sunshine, happiness. And he, he enticed the local Native Americans to work and pay for his fort uh, by essentially forcing them into a complete state of slavery. And he burned down their roundhouses, which were their spiritual, like almost like their churches, mm-hmm. and uh, as a way of motivating them to work harder. Oh uh, so this is the who the Donner Party is is going to meet up with. They who, who they think is the greatest guy, this John Sutter. That guy, yeah, yeah that guy. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah, <laughs> fuck John Sutter. And there's still a Sutter's Fort in California, and I think we should rename it yeah for sure probably the original names of the two native americans who were killed by the donner party uh if you can find records of that yeah a lot of that stuff is destroyed april 15th 1846 the journey begins in springfield illinois uh george donner his brother jacob and then james reed james who is going to get road rage along the trip and eventually shoot and kill someone and then he's going to get kicked out of the wagon train uh a bunch of servants uh and their kids and the trip is there it's it's 2000 miles um and they have to time this right because if they if they're too slow reaching the sierra nevadas it will be snowing by then and then they'll be trapped Mm. so the chart of the beginning of their trip. I'll see if I, I can. was like, where does the cold come in? <laughs> uh, the cold is going to come in later, but uh, this I think is a good chart to show us what not to do in life. Um, and interestingly, there's a part where they are going to like freeze to death and be really, things are going to be really, really bad. And it's like mm-hmm. a, a very Venus dominated chart. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Venus is always the the one who restores balance to the universe in many ways. And I feel like if you're having a bad time while Venus is dominant in the chart, that probably means that you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint. <laughs> anyway, but this is not. This is the chart of the beginning of their journey. And mm-hmm. as you can see, there's a lot of signifiers of things that you should uh, be aware of if you're beginning a long 2000 mile journey and you see any of these things in your chart that lets you know that this is probably not going to turn out well for you. One, the, um, uh, la, 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 uh, the Saturn-Neptune conjunction is getting real close. Eventually, Sat- both Saturn and Neptune are going to go retrograde and stay together for a long time. So this Saturn-Neptune conjunction is going to go on for over a year. And by the time we get to, so April 15th, by the time we get to March 1847, mm-hmm. the, the Donner party, the Donner family will be dead. Mm-hmm. And so if you're starting a journey where uh, Saturn and Neptune are going to be pretty much really close together the whole time, things are not going to go well for you. You're going to make a lot of bad decisions. Also, Saturn in an air sign is very cold. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and Neptune is often associated with 
with with disease and the dissolving of boundaries and um it's interesting that cannibal the the thing that makes the donner party so famous is cannibalism in their last stages they ate uh people and oh my gosh yeah they so the idea of that dissolving of boundaries um yeah yeah of yeah. what you're going to be willing to do for food. Saturn is also associated with starvation because Saturn is restriction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So they began their journey when the moon was opposite Mars. Not a good, not a good moon placement. You always want to begin something when the moon is applying to, uh, to a benefic. You know? Yeah. And um, having, and I feel like this is a small part of it, just Mars and Gemini in general is kind of, yeah, you know, Gemini is a, a sign that is ruled by Mercury. So what's Mercury doing? Oh, Mercury is retrograde. Yeah. No, that's not going to be, that's not going to work out really good. And and then even when Mercury eventually goes direct, it's going to hit this. Is this the south node? Yeah. It's a south node. Mm-hmm. And Taurus. Mm. Yeah, and t- South Node in Taurus. Taurus is so like all food. your resources, resources, all your food. Yes, it's depleted. It's it's not going great to say the least. Yeah, I, and we have the Sun conjunct Pluto. The uh, oh, everything's gonna be great. Oh, but there's that death signature there that. Right. Like everything's fine. Like that one meme of the dog and the house on fire. Yeah. yeah. Everything's fine. No, it is not. <laughs> Look around you. So 500 wagons headed west from Independence. A lot of families. We keep on saying the Donner Party, but there were a lot of families and they started out the journey uh, called the Boggs Party. They'll change their name throughout this thing a whole lot. Uh, but there's a lot of different families involved and uh, and the Boggs and the Climbing people, they are, they're like, we're going to just go the standard route. And it was the Reeds and the Donners who we're like, we're going to take the shortcut this, this random dude that we met told us about. Does that make sense? Does that make total sense? And that makes me think so much about the, uh, the shiny sun Leo yeah. who are like, yeah. have, you know, and it's also the, a signature that's coming up for us soon, which is Mercury and Sagittarius. Yes. Mercury and Sagittarius is, this isn't it, this shows up at the chart at the very end of their journey, but, mm-hmm. um, but we'll, we'll in the collective be dealing with this when Mercury is like, I have this great idea. Let's but maybe that. not thinking that idea thoroughly, like thinking it through enough or, you know, just being so enthusiastic that you can get everyone on board. Of course, there's like this attraction or like this attractive passion that comes through with Sagittarius, but, or specifically with Mercury and Sagittarius, but uh, it's not always the best idea, but don't you dare disagree. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, I think Mercury in a Jupiter ruled sign can be described as the extremely endearing and charming incompetent person. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, honey, what do you mean? 
so adventurous as well, you know, like going oh, advent- adventurous, yeah. charming, endearing. Oh, we love you, but you are incompetent. Yeah, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Great for ideas, horrible for execution. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, June 27th, what was this chart? I I'm going to try to summarize this because I took way too many notes, uh, in my research, uh, June 27th is when they meet with Lansford Hastings. So that's the first time they meet Hastings. Who's going to tell them, take the shortcut. that again, Hastings has never been on the shortcut before. Has no idea. (laughs) convince them that the shortcut is a good idea now at this point saturn and and neptune are retrograde um saturn had escaped uh neptune a little bit but it's still in the three degree orb so there's still a very strong saturn neptune vibe and um and we have uh mars at the anoretic degree of cancer uh, and we have, you know, it's, it's interesting. We have at this point, Jupiter in Gemini and Jupiter in Gemini is where Jupiter's in its detriment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they started out the journey with Jupiter in Taurus. So things were seeming okay. Mm. But now when Jupiter has dipped into Gemini, that's when they're going to make some really bad decisions. Um, and with Jupiter usually ruling long distance travel, mm-hmm. um, that means fortune on your long distance travel is not on your side. No. no. And uh, very slim to none. Yeah. And and Mercury is in cancer. cancer. So that what means whatever the moon is doing, people mm-hmm. are making their decisions based on these fleeting emotions. Oh, mm-hmm. right now the vibe is good. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. I like this guy's vibe. It's, Let's go with it. That's all this was. It's like, he seems cool. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so uh, eventually on July 20th, that's when they officially take that left hand road to Fort Bridger, which is the first, like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to follow Hastings and go to this cutoff. And eventually, this little cutoff, which is supposed to save them a couple of days, oh, it man. adds 30 days to their that journey. unexpected. Yeah, I'm looking at the. So yeah, this that... is the day that they actually make that decision to go and follow Hastings. Yeah, we're still the sun in cancer. Um, and at this point, Saturn and Neptune are getting closer. Closer. Yeah. Uh, Aquarius, that unpredictability. The flip floppiness, the let's just go, let's just do it. And <laughs> Aquarius is like we talked about associated with the wilderness. It's associated with being on the outside mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. Um, of being having that Saturn retrograde, Ugh. unable to, yeah, uh, unable to come back home. And that's something uh, that's a signature you'll see once they get to the Sierra Nevadas, they'll try, they'll, they're trapped in the mountains. They try to escape multiple times and go to, to civilization, to security, but they're, they, they keep having to come back to their place of exile. They can't. It's like nothing. Yeah. Nothing that they 
do seems like they can escape this certain ending. Cause like we were talking about with that zero degrees, the 29th degree is the opposite of that. That is endings. That is like the punctuation mark on, on a sentence. It is, that is end period. So, and Saturn too, is not looking good. And check this out. Mercury is about to apply to an opposition with Saturn. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we had Mercury opposite Saturn on that election that we had in 2020 when uh, we didn't get the election results for like a really on, on time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so not only is so Mercury is going to first hit this opposition to Neptune and then it's going to hit this opposition to Saturn. So it's like the opposition to network Neptune is like, I don't know what the right thing to do is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to go based on vibes instinct quote unquote (laughs) yeah and interesting that mars is in leo leo is associated with the gut i'm gonna follow my heart you know yeah, my heart my gut instinct cancer gives me that vibe too it's just kind of a whole mess honestly this chart is a mess (laughs) sorry if anyone has a chart similar to this (laughs) well you know something i've noticed is that if you have a bad chart it will, sh- it can show up in your life in a really positive way. Like, mm. you know, I- I'm just thinking this actor I really like, uh, detriment, you know, Mercury in a Jupiter ruled sign. And he's, he's charming because he plays characters that are charming and incompetent. And mm. that's what, that's the comedy right mm. there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, you know, just people go in off their gut and making really bad decisions. And I would not make a new change in course if Mercury is about to oppose Saturn, because mm-hmm. that's going to be time delays. That mm-hmm. as it, it doesn't get much more obvious than that del- delays. So on the day exactly. that that they decide to take this cutoff, Mercury is applying to the opposition with Neptune, and then will quickly oppose Saturn. So you know that this is going to go. Uh, downhill really fast. Um, and then we had July 31st, James Reed, uh, who I think hasn't been exiled at this point. Love your note. for <laughs> He's working. I know my notes are chaotic. He, he's, uh, go- he's gone ahead. So Hastings has gone way, way ahead. And they're following Hastings because they're slower because they have a whole wagon train, whereas Hastings, I think, is moving faster. Maybe he's on horseback. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But um, James Reed is also going ahead and uh, writes, Hastings cutoff is said to be saving 350 to 400 miles and is a better route. The rest of the Californias went the long route uh, because they were afraid of the Hastings cutoff um, at the fort. Immigrants, the immigrant, the travelers take on new members. Now they have 74 people. Um, Oh, and okay, the 31st, that's when they officially head on the route. Um, And at that point, the moon is in Scorpio. So you just never want to make new changes. Do anything in in the the death sign of Scorpio. Yeah, when the the moon is in Scorpio. And then when the moon gets to the end degrees of Scorpio, it's going to make a square to Saturn. And this happened a lot in 2021 uh, when, mm-hmm. when Saturn was in 
in Aquarius. And I feel like every time that moon hit Scorpio, Mm -hmm. there was something new and terrible that happened every time it hit that square to Saturn. Just a constant like snake shedding its skin is what I think of of with moon and Scorpio. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, bad moon in Scorpio at that point, um, August 30th, uh, what's happened August 30th. Okay. August 30th, uh, is Redland Springs, their last source of water before they cross the desert. So they collect all of their water and they, their grass before they cross the desert. And that's August 30th. And, um, the, the moon is opposite Jupiter and Mercury is retrograde. Um, that, and that retrograde Mercury is providing for that Jupiter. Mm-hmm. So, which is already in its detriment because it's not Mercury ruled sign, but now Mercury right. is retrograde. Uh, on the third day, they run out of water <sighs> on their crossing of the desert. How oh. very, and oh, look how close okay. the Saturn, um, the Saturn Neptune conjunction is. The Saturn Neptune so- conjunction is like they're, they're on like on top each of each other they're, they're, they're on top of each other yeah, yeah. like just and, so divinely unfortunate and they are oh my god and here's the thing they are opposite that retrograde mercury so that retrograde mercury is going to hit the opposition to the saturn neptune conjunction again as it goes backwards so they made hit after hit yeah after hit they made this decision while the first round of mercury was hitting the opposition to saturn and neptune and then when mercury went retrograde it's hitting the opposition to saturn and neptune again they're gonna it's gonna hit that opposition to saturn and neptune three times because that's how mercury retrograde works yep so this is not gonna end well for them uh like they had no one no astrologer on their team clearly <laughs> no to tell them to warn them that none of this is a good idea none of it <laughs> and even if you were to say like oh well you know they didn't know about the outer planets back then or you yeah. know but they knew about saturn yeah so- and that's <laughs> you need to know that one at least at least like you knew yeah Oh gosh. Oh, and check out the, uh, the nodes are at the zero degrees of, of air of, uh, Scorpio and Taurus. Oh my goodness. Uh, so it, it's like, it's like a rebirth, but it's after so much death. The the nodes are about to shift into, into Libra and Aries. Yeah. Um, so things are about to get one. They've, they've lost their, food supply because that's the south node in Taurus right losing your food and your resources yeah when it's when the nodes go into Libra and Aries it's gonna be war yes yeah yeah between peace and war so on October 11th the pay Indians kill and steal a bunch of ox they kill and steal over a hundred ox uh from the Donner party and I'm like good on them yeah that's what you get when you're a white person taking <laughs> doing horrible things <laughs> doing horrible things and taking stuff from people who already live there so also I feel like you're probably going to say this a lot on this podcast but the laughter that you all may hear as the audience is not to be like oh this is funny like it's like a divine comedy and you know life life is a divine comedy it's it's 
so tragic that you have to you have to laugh like if nothing else because it's so just horrible what is happening here what happens in general uh, I think about that a lot with Sagittarius in particular Gemini Sagittarius access where it's like you have to laugh to keep from crying you yeah. have to be able to see the humor or the silver lining and things that can be a good thing with Sagittarius placements uh, but it's just so terrible I feel like laughter also happens when a realization is made. It's like, yeah. oh, when you, when you understand something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When you real, oh, that's funny, quote, quote, how this all comes to be, how this all has happened. Yeah, but definitely. So uh, they are uh, in, two men. Uh, they're in a bad situation. Uh so the Donner party themselves are in a bad situation Four wagons broke. They lost 38 cows. They lost over hundred ox. Um, two men go ahead to Sutter's Fort, which is North of Sacramento to get provisions and bring them back. Um, and the men eventually come back uh, with seven mules loaded with provisions. And this is when Sutter gives them to Native Americans, Louis and Salvador, who that's not their real names. They were forcibly mm. converted to Catholicism and that was the names that they were given. Mm. Um, and they're from historyexp.org. Uh, there's a nice a little backstory on Louis and Salvador. Basically, they knew that eventually in mid-December, the Donner Party would probably kill them and eat them because everyone was starving. Mm. And so they decided to try and escape the Donner Party on their own. And um, let's see, and eventually they were shot and killed. And this guy, Joseph King, researched the early records and believed that and unfortunately, I cannot pronounce these names, but believe that their names originally were Ima, uh, I think the name is, mm -hmm. um, who would have been around 19. Oh, my goodness. And that was probably Lewis. And then Quien mm. was the was Salvador. That was his original name. Yeah. And he would have been about 28, which is uh, a Saturn return, sort so of. So young. Yeah, so young. Uh, but interesting, 19 is the eighth house year, yeah. uh, which is associated with death. And then 28 is your Saturn return, um, which is often a time when a lot of people die because they Saturn can be so hard if you're a night chart Saturn. Mm -hmm. um, but those are just some guesses, but at least we get some, a little bit of background, which are on two people who were lost to history. And if, if I had it my way, we would rename it after them, rename Sutter's Fort after them. Yeah. yeah. Because they are the real heroes in this. Yeah. Um, on October 20th, a group of 81 adults and children were attacked by a snowstorm in the mountains um, yeah, and yes. it didn't stop for days. And this is October 20th. This is basically the day. Everything is just going to go downhill from there. We got the oh, moon. Everything's Scorpio. in Scorpio. <laughs> we, we, yeah. We've got the South node in Scorpio at, or not, sorry, the North node in Scorpio at this point. Um, we got yeah. Mercury in Scorpio. Uh, we got Saturn and Neptune still hanging out real close together. 
we got uh, Mars and Venus conjunct and we got uh, Venus opposing uh, Uranus. Now, interestingly though, the master of the nativity and the most dominant planet is Venus in this chart. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of seems like Venus is rectifying the horror that the Donner party wrought as they mm. are making their way you know this is venus's chance to kind of get back at these colonizers a little bit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and right. between them in a snowstorm yeah yeah I, that's very like poetic in a way with libra yeah. um, with the placement being in libra being rectified running out of batteries okay december 16th is Um, At this point, people are eating shoelaces and animal bones. They're trapped in the mountain. The 15 strongest people make snowshoes and try to get to Sutter's Fort, which is a six-day walk away. Um, This is the chart of that forlorn hope excavation expedition, Um, their last chance to try and escape. And we have Mercury retrograde in Sagittarius, which we talked a lot about earlier, which is not not a good good. time. Not Not a good good. time. Uh, People not making good good decisions. Interestingly, we have a Venus Kazemi also in Sagittarius at that point. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. And uh, check out Pluto on the North Node on Rahu there and look wow. at look at that Saturn Neptune conjunction. Wow. So close. And it, they're they're direct at this point. Yeah. Um this is the middle of December and it's still going to be four more months in the mountains for these people and yeah. uh, four more months until the Donners the last of the Donners finally die. Yeah. Um, Christmas day a blizzard hits. We got Mercury direct at that point, and we have a uh, moon conjunct Uranus uh, and Mars. Oh, there we go. Mars squaring Neptune and Saturn. Oh, my goodness. So that's a really good signature for a blizzard, Mars yeah. squaring Neptune and Saturn. Yeah. At this point, uh, they're resorting to cannibalism because eight people on their forlorn hope journey die Mm -hmm. and so they cut up the people and they package their meat and they label packaging (laughs) so that no one and the party ends up eating their relative oh my god oh gosh it's just so dark and disturbing which like that aquarius i feel like Mm -hmm. aquarius and scorpio energy could like conjure is that <laughs> like cannibalism is, is Venus in a Saturn ruled sign mm-hmm. uh, feels that way. Like uh, it's often a, like, like I, I just, whatever it takes just to, to survive, to-, Nur- to have some sort of nourishment, I yeah. guess. Oof. Yikes. Uh, so instead of taking six days to get to Sutter's Fort, it takes 33 days. God. <laughs> Could you imagine walking in the snow for 33 days? Oh my God. You couldn't, you wouldn't, you couldn't. 
Yeah. So uh, Illinois is not looking that bad, is it? <laughs> right. <laughs> you thought sunny California was going to be all that. And you're yeah. working in the snow for 33 days. Uh, rescue. Karma. Um, oh, and Sutter's Fort sends a rescue party, but it takes 18 days for the rescue party to get there. That's how long things took. Yeah. Uh, so eventually on January 17th, the rescuers arrived. A, a, faint, a ghastly, gaunt woman emerges from the snow because the snow has gotten so tall that it just covers the roof of their little cabins that they built for themselves. Yeah. And She's like, are you men from California or are you from hell? Like, you know, she's she has no flesh on her. Um, her been, brain is just like yeah. mush at this point, probably. Yeah, they've been eating. They used animal hides to cover their roofs and they'd been eating the animal hides off of the roof because that's all they had. And just eating skin, dried skin. Oh. Um, they called this uh, camp the starved camp. And uh, by mid-February, John Sutter would give $3 a day to anyone who would keep going out to the rescue party to help. Um, the first relief party had 23 members. Uh, two died. Ugh. You know, these, these people who go out to the rescue them are dying too. Right. It's totally a suicide mission. Yeah. March 12th, the third relief party comes and... There are four survivors left uh, leaving. Oh, the four survivors left the camp to go to Sutter's Fort, um, leaving behind George and his wife because they were too weak and they end up dying towards the end of the month. So in the middle of March. So think, you know, less than a year ago, they were like, we're going to have a better life in California. And then just almost a year later, they're they're starving to death in the snow. Yeah. And this is March 12th. Um, by this point, the kind of this is kind of getting to the end of the story because Neptune and Saturn are now in different signs. Um, they're far apart at this point. Um, Venus is in Mars's sign in Aries. And, uh, and so spring begins, the birth spring, begins. Spring is about to begin. It's Pisces season at this point. Yeah. And uh, by April 17th, it's all over with. The final relief party arrives. Uh, Louis Kesseberg is the only person that's still alive in the camp. And he's surrounded by half-eaten half corpses. And so this horrifying. is- Horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. horrifying. <laughs> you thought you'd be in the po this podcast and I would just like- <laughs> I end up telling the most horrifying story yet. No. And it's like, once again, it's, you have to be comfortable with these kinds of conversations. How else are we ever going to learn to not do something as stupid and horrific as this? <laughs> but again. What, yeah. What's fascinating is the story kind of big ends where it begins April yeah. 17th. Um, and we have the sun conjunct Pluto again. So this is a whole sun Pluto cycle. This is this, this Donner party story. And now that's the sun has come back around to, to see Pluto. We're in a completely different place than they thought that they were going to be in last mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. Makes me think like, pay attention to whatever you're starting when the sun is conjunct Pluto and mm -hmm. then track it to a year later. And see and where you end up. 
see where you end up because this definitely did not start where it uh it needed to be interestingly i as i was looking at this i was like 19 or 1847 why do i know that 1847 is the year that the vegetarian movement started Okay. Cause I kept saying birth. I'm like, there's something that comes after this. There's something new that comes yeah. from like after the situation, whether it's directly involved or not. Um, it, there's something new that happens after such a great transformation like that. But isn't it interesting? Like this year, that's like this all about starvation. Exactly. Resorting to eating the most horrible thing. And then the like- horrible meats. And then you're like, <laughs> you know what? Let's just not eat meat. <laughs> How about that? Let's do things that are good for us. Let's not harm people or animals. Yeah. So this is the chart. I just decided to pull it up of the the official birth of the vegetarian movement, which is September 29th, uh, 1847, which was the day that the vegetarian society started. And you'll notice that there's all of these the big old stellium in Libra. Yeah, uh, everything's in the harmonious Libra. <laughs> I have a stellium in Libra. So I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting that I'm a vegetarian. And my chart looks a lot like the, the vegetarian birth chart. That's you know? so funny. Uh, so that's kind of funny. And then, yeah. uh, then Mars and Tor- Mars retrograde in Taurus is kind of interesting too. Exalted Jupiter and yeah. In, in cancer so much padding so much abundance with a, a jupiter and cancer and then even with the retrograde a mars and retrograde in taurus we're taking it very very slow we're digesting and we're doing our best to thoroughly in this case i guess eat <laughs> eat the things that are good for us and do things that are do other things that are good for us <laughs> And interestingly, it's a Saturn and Pisces chart. So the vegetarian movement that started in Europe in 1847 is having its Saturn return right now. Or like once Saturn goes direct and starts arriving near that seven degree point again. Yeah. But it's yeah. a full sign Saturn return. Yeah. So I, I wonder if, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of... There's a lot happening in the food supply right now. We're having a lot of talk about of agriculture food. and farming yeah. and where our food supplies is heading with the, the population. Yeah. <laughs> I think I read something recently about there being an incentive for farmers to produce more or uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, but yes, lots of talk about food and what the future looks like within that realm. Yeah. uh, Interestingly, too, the Saturn in Pisces often is is associated with death and the sea. And one of the early founders of the vegetarian movement, the reason he became vegetarian was this is a little known fact about history. But in the 1700s and early 1800s, when this fellow was growing up, shipwrecks were extremely common. And also this was still the slave trade. And there would be tons of bodies that would constantly wash up on shore on the beach. And you would just walk down the beach and see human body parts um, just lining the ocean. And when you would go to the fish market and the fishermen would show share their hauls, they would dump out their nets and in the, with all the fish would be arms and legs. Oh, um, 
because so many bodies in the human bodies in the ocean. And so what made this one of the early founders vegetarian was just the disgust he felt uh, on seeing all these human body parts mixed in with these fish that people were eating. Could you imagine the smell? Smell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Just horrendous. I always <laughs> try to find a way to end on a positive note. Oh, no, was like trauma. After all of that, <laughs> I just went through the most <laughs> horrific thing, and then I'm talking about body parts washing up on the beach, right? Uh, and the, so, what's what's going on in your life, Tigris? Um, well, I just started writing an astrology column, actually, ah. with. Yay! Yes, I'm so excited about it with Queer Kentucky. So uh, it's called Stargazing. You can find it every month um, on the website. I am also a part of the New Blood Universe team, and we're gearing up for our shows that are coming out soon. I can't Uh, wait. I'm so excited. I'm so excited that you were involved. I'm so excited to meet you through them. So yes, those are kind of the main things that I got going on. So yeah, thank you once again for having me on the podcast. This was fascinating. I, I of course, am into astrology and have done like things like this here and there, but to go into depth like this and to kind of be like fun with it and to guess, you know, what's what through the transits and through the planets and positions, what's going on? Because it all makes sense. It all has a way of um, helping us understand ourselves in the world, right? That's why we do it. And you gave me a really good tarot and astrology reading. Are, do, are you still doing readings for people? Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm so great at promoting. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I'm going to make sure you promote yourself. Where can people find you if they want to get a tarot um, astrology reading? If you would like to get a reading from me, you can go ahead and either email me at tarotbytigris at gmail.com or you can message me on instagram which is tigris t-i-g-r-e-s-s-e dot blue b-l-e-u very french and yeah you can find me there (laughs) awesome it was so fun um would you like to come back sometime because this is so fun like having oh yes oh yes maybe do the other one that i was thinking about which is a little more gruesome than than my alien encounter (laughs) i loved it i loved it so much cool Oh, well, thank you so much again. And uh, you guys be sure to uh, give us a follow. I I haven't figured out an end to this thing, but that (laughs) is, uh, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. Music for the show is provided by Bruno Loreiro. Follow us on Instagram at the astrology of terrible things, all one word. (laughs) 